4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. So every day during the football frenzy, we've been counting down 32 to number one. The Cofield and Company rankings. I'm guessing, Adam, that you were a little higher on the Steelers than the rankings came out. We have the Steelers all the way down at 18, which might shock a lot of Pittsburgh people. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the trick is there that Cleveland and Baltimore, I think, are so good. Makes it tough to be much higher when you're, if you're the third-place team in a division. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think the gap between the Steelers and the Browns and the Ravens is that big. But let's get more information on this from uh, Ray Fittipaldo, who covers the team for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Ray, how you doing? It's Steve and Adam here in Vegas. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. How are you? We're good, man. We're real good. Uh, first off, uh, how is Chase Claypool? Is he okay? Yep. Uh, he's got a he's got an ankle sprain. Uh, probably won't play again this preseason, but they're – in Buffalo in 26 days, and uh, all indications are he'll be good for that. So what? I guess what has been the biggest storyline for you guys covering the team, and what have you been keeping the closest eye on at training camp? Yeah, I mean, I think this this training camp, it's all about the offense, and there's, there's a couple of storylines. Um, you know, the big one is probably Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, you know, we all saw he kind of wore down at the end of last season. Um, you know, played well early on and then struggled late. And I think everyone wants to know, you know, did they approach this season any differently? You know, can they save his arm and can they get him through a full 17-game season where he can actually um, be a consistent player? So that's number one. Uh, Number two is this offensive line. I mean, the offensive line uh, is drastically different than it was last season. They have one returning starter. And he's flopping from right tackle to left tackle. So they got a whole new set of guys in there. And uh, it, it, it's something to watch this year. You know, can they protect Ben, number one? And number two, they want to get that running game going. Can they get that running game going to the point um, where they can actually have an effective offense? Because last year, quite honestly, from the second half of the season on, this Steelers team was all about the defense. So that's how they won games the offense was kind of like a detriment. So they, they got to get, get back to at least being a mediocre offense. And if they can do that, they might be in contention. So yeah, I mean, you, you brought it up there, but my question coming out of the draft is which of the five offensive line positions does Najee Harris play? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the guy's really, really good, but it's not going to matter if he doesn't get the blocking. So um, they got a rookie center, a rookie third round pick Kendrick green, Looks like he's going to be the starting center. Um, Trey Turner was good once upon a time with the Panthers. He's their right guard now, but he's coming off a bad year. Um, you know, they got a, a second-year guy in Kevin Dodson, who was a fourth-round pick last year. I mean, it's really kind of a mix-and-match situation there. And I, I think the hope is that these, news guys, these new guys can run block and, uh, you know, they can become more of a running team. You know, I, I always – point to what John Elway became late in his career. You know, you hand the ball off to uh, Terrell Davis. Um, you let your defense do the heavy lifting. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're back in the playoffs and you're contending for Super Bowls. I think that's what the Steelers want to do this year. They want to get that running game going. We all know they've got a tremendous defense. And, uh, you know, I hate to th- 
I, I hate to, to utter this term, but if Ben can just be a game manager, I mean, if he can just manage not to screw things up, um, I, I think this, this team has a shot um, to at least be in contention and to, to be in the conversation come December. But uh, as I mentioned, there's a lot of things that have to fall into place before that happens. I would agree with that analysis from the outside looking in, but is, is in your mind, is Ben willing to do that? I think so. You know, he's going to turn 40 in March. Um, you know, I think he realizes, um, you know, he, he came back, he took a $5 million pay cut to come back. I, I think there was a realization that he had to change. And ownership was not going to stand pat the way last season ended for that offense. They, they fired their offensive coordinator. They fired their offensive line coach. There's an entire um, new playbook and new terminology for the first time since um, since Ben came into the league in 2004. So uh, things are changing. I, I think you know Ben saw the writing on the wall, and I think he realizes that he does have to change. So um, you know we'll see what happens in the regular season, but uh, you know so far so good as far as him. Um, you know, stepping in line and doing what uh, what the new offensive quarter coordinator Matt Canada wants to do. So, you know, we talk about the stars on offense, and Roethlisberger's been there forever. We we know some of the names they've had there throughout the years, but defense has really been this team's calling card for a while. Uh, last year, we saw the defense absolutely carry this team for much of the season. Um, any reason to think they'd take a significant step backward this year? No, I think I, I don't think so. You know, they, they've taken some steps to shore up some of their weaknesses um, here during training camp. They signed Melvin Ingram uh, to a one-year deal in the middle of July, just before camp. He, he's gonna he's gonna help their pass rush. And they just went out and got Joe Schobert uh, from Jacksonville. And you know, Joe Schobert, when he was with Cleveland, was one of the best coverage linebackers in the league. And I really think. He's going to help that Steelers pass defense. So, yeah, they lose Bud Dupree. He signs the big free agent deal with the Titans. Yeah, they lost Mike Hilton, their talented slot corner, to the Bengals. But I think they could fill in some pieces around those guys. So, you know, T.J. Watt can still be dominant. Cam Hayward can still be dominant. Minka Fitzpatrick is one of the best safeties in the league. So I still think, even with all their losses, I still think this can be a top-five top seven defense in the league. I, I, I think they're that talented. Talking about the Steelers, Ray Fittipaldo covers the Steelers for the uh, one of the local newspapers there in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. How do they have this much money left in terms of cap space? Well, they've been, um, you know, they, they've been cutting some guys here throughout the spring. Um, you know, they saved $8 million when they cut Steven Nelson. They saved another $8 million against the cap when they cut David DeCastro. They just restructured Stefan Tuitt's contract uh, yesterday to free up another $6 million. So this is all building towards adding guys like Joe Schobert. Yeah, but the big one in the distance here before the season starts is getting T.J. Watt done. I think everyone uh, realizes they get, they got to pay him. He's probably going to get Joey Bosa top type of money. He's probably going to be the highest uh, paid edge rusher in the league. So... Um, you know, they had to cut some guys to, you know, to get the money to, to make some of these moves. But as you can see, you know, I just mentioned Ingram and I mentioned Schobert. Now they're going to tie up TJ Watt. Um, they are strengthening this defense for years to come. And they realize 
when Ben does hang it up, they might have some lean years on offense, and they want to have a good defense to fall back on. And, you know, they're taking those steps to make sure that happens. When you looked at the schedule when it came out, looking at week two against Las Vegas, where you're like, that's a win. Uh, well, I mean, the Raiders <laughs> haven't been that. I mean, they were okay last year, but, uh, yeah, honestly, it's, it's at Heinz Field. Um, you know, the Steelers traditionally play well against the Raiders um, at Heinz. Um, I do remember that Gradkowski game from back in 2009, I think, though, there. He came in and, and beat the Steelers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think the Raiders um, are going to be a huge factor in the AFC West. I kind of think they might be in the same boat as the Steelers, you know, seven, eight, nine win team. Um, but, yeah, that game at Heinz Field, I, I expect the Steelers to, uh, to get the win in that one. All right, I'm glad you mentioned the wins because we, uh, we like to do all the numbers. So the win total is eight and a half. Uh, the under has a lean right now, minus 130. So would you be willing to bet that the Steelers uh, go nine and eight or better? Eight and a half is a great number. I mean, yeah. with, with the defense, like this defense is so good, I'm almost tempted to take the over. But like I said, I could see them eight, nine wins. I mean, I'll, I'll say over just because of the defense and just because Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. But that schedule is brutal. Um, and as you mentioned, they got the Browns and the Ravens to, uh, to contend with. So it's going to be tough. But uh, I'll go over, but only by slightly. You can bet the Steelers yes, no to make the playoffs. The no is a pretty good favorite at uh, minus 180, so 180 bucks to win 100. Um, I mean, as there's some value on the yes there, so yes, no on the playoffs. Uh, you know, I would say no, and, you know, for the reason you mentioned at the top, it's going to be hard for a third-place team from any division to, to get into the playoffs. And especially a team like the Steelers, that uh, you know, who have a, a first place schedule, um, you know, after what they did last year. So, I'll go no on that, but I still think they can be very, very respectable and you know, still be in that you know eight nine win range. All right, one of us may hit the road because Adam's uh, number one at the local paper here covering the Raiders. So, put you on the spot if there's a place in Pittsburgh as far as a restaurant goes where you're like, hey. Adam Hill has to hit this place, and I'm guessing it's not Permanente Brothers. I like Permanente Brothers on my trips to, uh, believe it or not, South Florida and Pittsburgh. But is there a place like a an Italian place? Is there some kind of German place? Like, what kind of place should he hit? Yeah, I mean, if you're into pizza, Caliente Pizza was voted the best best pizza in the world. Actually, I don't know wow. how they come up with the, the rankings, but uh, <laughs> Caliente they got like six locations around Pittsburgh. So no matter where you go, you'll probably be able to find one within about uh, 10 or 15 minutes. Damn. They right up on the website, the world's best pizza. They're, they're, they embrace that thing. Yep. Okay. Why not? There you right? go. Why not? <laughs> All right. We appreciate it. Thanks for a couple of minutes. All right, guys. Talk to you later. There he is. Uh, Ray Fittipaldo at Ray Fit One. We have a ton of Steelers fans in town. I don't like most of you. I'll, I'll admit that. And you got a lot quieter the last couple of years. It's weird. It's weird. I don't see as many Pittsburgh fans out at the bars anymore. The jerseys aren't as prevalent. No. No. Weird. Strange. Not a lot of the well, TJ Watt jerseys are still going. There's been a lot well. of Chiefs fans lately. There's a lot. There are a lot, a lot more. Yeah. Well, we do. We, in truth, we do know a lot of a lot of Kansas City uh, people who went to Kansas or you know from Kansas City, from Kansas, from Missouri. What's on this menu at the Caliente place? All right, good start. Pizza and calzones. Let's Pizza and Draft House, by the way. That's the key. Yeah. Did but, you ever? Did you? Uh, did we ever go to Permanente Brothers? And when? I'm, I, I don't think I've ever been to Pittsburgh with you, but in South Florida, there's a couple locations. I've gone. Did you like it? It's fine. They do the coleslaw and the fries on the sandwich. Oh, yeah, I know. It's a lot. Yeah, I know. 
I'm trying to think. I think there was one in Indy, or else it was a, a similar, really, like related place. Okay, um, it's fine. Do you want to go to Pittsburgh on the trip? Are you going? Yeah, I'll be there. Oh, look at you! Very arrogant. You hear that, Ari? He's like, come on, I'm going. Do I want to? It's the same weekend as Life is Beautiful, so no, I don't. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Is he worth the money? He had nine and a half sacks last year, but was an absolute liability in pass coverage. I mean, liability, not even yep. like third string, third string depth on the safety chart kind of stuff here in the National Football League. That's how bad he was defending the pass as a safety. Well, that was one of the big topics we hit uh, last Friday before Seattle was in town to take on the Raiders. That was Chuck Powell, KJR in Seattle, and he just annihilated Jamal Adams, you know, from the pass cover standpoint. And, you know, he's asking for a lot of money. Well, he got it. So now he's the highest paid safety in the game, but he he's better than John Abram, a lot better. But like John Abram, you worry about his ability to cover. Miles Simmons covers the NFL for pro football talk. Miles, was this a good deal? Um, yes, because he accepted it. And I think if you are the Seattle Seahawks and you trade what you traded, in order to get Jamal Adams, you have to sign him to a long-term deal. I mean, it, it, it's like basically when the Rams traded for Jalen Ramsey. You know, if you're going to do that and you don't already have a long-term deal built in, then basically you have to give him something that he's going to accept. Otherwise, you've just wasted all of the trade values that you gave up to get him. And so, I, I mean, I think he's a really good player. I think he's a really versatile player. And for guys like that, you need to play him closer to the line of scrimmage, even though, yes, there are safeties. But if your defensive coordinator knows how to properly use that guy, then he's going to be worth the money. You know, if somebody's that much of a liability in pass coverage, as your previous guest was talking about, then don't put him back where he's going to get embarrassed. You know, it's like your your scheme has to be able to fit to the players. And I think that Seattle can build a defense around – guys like Jamal Adams, guys like Bobby Wagner, and still be very, very good and very competitive in the NFC West. Sorry, I got lost in your answer about defensive coordinators and where they play guys. Um, were you talking about Adams or Jonathan Abram? <laughs> That's a really good question, right? I mean, look, I, I'm curious to see what uh, this thing is going to look like with Gus Bradley and Abram. And, I mean, obviously, Adam, you can speak to this much more than I can since you've been at practice. But, you know, if you have Jonathan Abram being a deep safety in, you know, in your cover three scheme, that probably is not going to work out that well for you because that's not his strength. He's somebody that needs to be further in the box. I mean, you almost consider him more like a linebacker, um, especially in today's NFL where guys are, where teams are playing more three wide receivers. You know, you've got guys who are tight ends that are super athletic, like a Darren Waller who's on the Raiders, right? And those guys, you need to be able to cover them, especially, you know, you're talking about the NF, excuse me, the AFC West. you got Travis Kelsey, right? You've also got uh, Noah Fant in Denver, and then you now have Jared Cook uh, with the Chargers. So those guys are guys that you're going to have to maybe match up Abram with a little bit more. But 
I mean, at the same time, you don't necessarily just want him to be that deep third guy where you're saying, oh, yes, this is what you need to do because that's not his strength, and I don't think it's ever going to be his strength. And that's not why they drafted him where they drafted him anyway. Um, Miles, Miles Simmons, of course, joining us from uh, Pro Football Talk. Miles, are you doing okay right now? Why? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what is this coming from? It's a sad day for everyone. Timmy Page views was cut by the Jaguars. It really sucks for everybody. <laughs> uh, I I don't think uh, in the time that he was on the Jaguars that I actually wrote a post about Tim Tebow. And like we can go back and check the record. I actually probably should. But like I just <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, you know. I mean, like you're right. Timmy Page views. He is good for business. But like at the same time, I thought it was interesting how it, it just was so unceremonious, you know? Like, And I don't think that Urban Meyer really had any other choice if he wanted to remain credible. Right? <laughs> all those clips, that were the, or the two clips, I guess you really should say, that were floating around on Twitter where Tebow just literally could not block, and then also Tavon Austin kind of took away the one reception that he was supposed to have, if Tim Tebow was even supposed to be in that spot on the field. Because I feel like Tavon Austin might know a little bit more about being a receiver. Not that Tavon Austin has been a very good receiver since he came into the league and was way overdrafted at eight overall by the then St. Louis Rams in 2013. But, you know, when you see two two people out on routes that closely, that's something that's gone wrong there. So, I mean, look, I'm glad that Tim Tebow's not going to make the, the 53-man roster, to be completely honest with you, because I... I find the whole Tebow mania thing really annoying, and it also is kind of funny because Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk wrote this big thing, and he like owned himself for it today, got out ahead of it, where he said that Tebow's going to make the 53-man roster and la la la, and none of that happened. So it's kind of fun when your boss is proven wrong in a big, you know, loud way. Oh, Florio and Clay Travis made the same guarantee. That's awesome. Uh, tough, tough day for both of them. Yeah, yikes. Uh, it's good, good company to be in there. Uh, Seriously. Lo- lots of things. Speaking of Clay Travis, the Raiders announced a vaccination policy today. Uh, they were, you're going to have to be vaccinated to go to games. Uh, they're the first team to really do this. The Saints did it, but they included the op- option of the negative test. The Raiders are basically just going full vaccination. Do you expect other teams to follow suit? Um, Not necessarily. Fairly no, and it, it maybe depend on the way the Delta variant um, advances and the way people are or are not vaccinated. And certainly, so much of this is so regional. Um, but here's where I think that the Raiders are probably going to be pretty unique in this, and it's that the team is coming out and really making the decision. Right? It, it, it's a Mark Davis deal, at least is my understanding. Correct me if I'm wrong. But like the difference there in what's happened in New Orleans. And what's also happening sort of in, a, in Los Angeles, too, today, L.A. County announced um, that you have to have masks in order to get in there and you have to wear your mask the whole time, even though it's a sort of indoor-outdoor stadium deal, right? Like, the, the team itself is announcing this, and I give Mark Davis a lot of credit for it. Um, you know, I, I think that it's a good decision, and I think that it's the kind of decision that – more teams and more people need to make, but it also could be one. Unless it's part of the other thing here is that the demand for tickets in Las Vegas, I'm sure, is very, very high, and there's a huge demand um, and interest in going to see that stadium and being able to be in there 
and see the Raiders for the first time in a couple of years. And that demand is not necessarily going to be everywhere. Um, so that's kind of why I think that the Raiders might be a little bit unique in it. But I, I love the decision. I applaud the decision because I think it's the right one. And, you know, as John Gruden was saying today, if fans don't have to wear masks, then they get to be louder. So you're creating almost competitive advantage for yourself by doing this. And I don't think that it's going to cost the Raiders much, if anything, at all in business. Well, so do the Ravens fans. They get to be louder, too, when they're here. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I guess that's true. Well, yeah. is it, are we anticipating that it will be a lot of Ravens fans on that first week in Monday Night Football? I don't know. I haven't seen much about that. Yeah, actually, I'm interested to see how much this changes the traveling plans of visiting teams. Uh, maybe get less people that want to travel. Maybe people that aren't vaccinated or going to travel. Uh, I think that, that'll be an interesting storyline going into the season uh, for sure. Just like in your neck of the woods, Miles, did you go to SoFi on Saturday? I actually did. I did go to SoFi Stadium, and I was there. I was not there in a working capacity, which was nice. Um, but I was there, and I was able to see the uh, the first game with fans in that facility. And it, it was weird, you know, because I covered the groundbreaking of that stadium in 2016 when I was still working for the Rams and you know, I remember when I was working for the Rams in St. Louis in January 2015 and the renderings first came out of that stadium and so to see it completed for the first time was it was pretty surreal um, and let me tell you I mean I don't know if you were there last year when the Raiders um, played the Chargers but like it is a really majestic stadium it is the best stadium that I've ever been to in person. And I think it's going to be, you know, the kind of world-class facility that everybody expects. And it's going to be awesome to have the Super Bowl in it too. But, you know, it, I, I did not see uh, the fights. The fights actually were apparently right below me because I was, um, you know, in a section in the sort of middle deck there. But uh, uh, that also was a pretty big thing that apparently happened. You can't really – have a, a Rams game, you know, without a fight, apparently. I don't know. Uh, it was a good fight. I uh, saw one that I, on video. That was great. Uh, I would agree with you. The stadium, I got the same feeling I did when I walked into AT&T. It's just, it's one of the yeah. most amazing places I've ever been. Uh, but, Miles, the important thing, you, it was all that great stuff about the stadium. Who cares? Did you try the pizza or the cheeseburger sub? Dude, I, okay, I, I hate to say this because, you know, I used to work there and there are a lot of people that I know. That was, it was the worst stadium food I've ever had in my life. And it was not acceptable for a world-class facility. And I told somebody this who, who I know who works there. Like, it was, the pizza was basically focaccia bread with a little bit of cheese and, like, watery sauce. It was, I swear to you, it was the worst stadium food I've ever I've ever had in my life, and I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I'm sure that those things will start to get corrected the further that they get into the season, but, like, holy smokes, man. Like, it was it was atrocious how bad the food was. It, it was just not acceptable. Uh, last thing that I had for you, the Internet <laughs> is amazing. I love the Internet more than anything. Um, you, you said something earlier. I let you slip on it. I let you slide on it uh, just this once. Uh, Travis Kels of these Kansas city chiefs. Uh, he shaved his beard. Uh, I see one comment here. There's so many great comments, but one says Travis Kels went from being invited to the cookout to being a capital rioter. And I've never <laughs> seen, I have never seen a transition that great just from shaving. What is going on with that dude? Okay. First of all, 
I am basically, I am from one small Cleveland suburb over from the Kelsey's who have since clarified that, you know, whether their father uh, started pronouncing it improperly or not, you can call him Kelsey, you can call him Kelsey, but they've been going by Kelsey since they've gotten to the league. And if you listen to them when they go on Sunday night football, it's either Jason Kelsey or Travis Kelsey, Cleveland Heights High School. So I'm going to keep calling them Kelsey, all right? So there's that. Um, but I think you're right about that transition. It is very, very bizarre, especially because – Kelsey is the guy we know to be down, you know, for different causes. And he's somebody who has um, been uh, outspoken about, you know, trying to get people vaccinated. And I think that that's really, really a good thing. So he doesn't really strike me as the kind of person that would be at January 6th, but, you know, at the Capitol on January 6th. But, you know, sometimes, uh, uh, I don't know, we, we change our look and things get a little bit weird. So who knows? There, there is one video from playoff game, I think two years ago, where he does say Travis Kels on the video. Okay, well, uh, if you up. say so, I'm going to have to take your I word for it. But, I mean, Miles, I, I get it. He, he tries to do it to me every time we talk about it. I'm like, please stop. The audience doesn't know I what mean, you're talking about with your, your stupid inside joke. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, why are we doing this? Like, it's just the way his name is pronounced. And... And, like like I said, Jason Kelsey went on Philadelphia radio to clarify all of this stuff. So I, I don't know why you're doing this. I, 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 <laughs> although I could say that a lot about a lot of different things exactly. that you do, Adam Hill. Exactly. I don't know why you're doing this. All right, Miles, we appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Take care, guys. We're going to get into uh, some over-unders around uh, college football uh, with Sam Paniotovich. So we're talking about win totals. That'll be up in about 10 minutes. The phone lines are open. Join the conversation on Cofield and Company now by calling 702-364-1100 or tweet us at Cofield and Co. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when I'm in Las Vegas. Are you still trying to eat healthy? Yeah. Fruits? No, you stay away from fruits. Too sugar. So you're anti-banana? Yeah, especially how certain people decide to eat them. Banana peels don't work for you? No. Kentucky quarterback? Is it Will Levis? Yeah. Banana peel guy? He's he's sitting. He's doing like a TikTok live. They gotta be fried, right? Raw. No. It looks raw. It's kind of chewy. He's just isn't it? eating the whole banana. Oh, really? Yeah. Peeling off doesn't take the peel off. Chewy, no. I don't. I Can you even can't bite even, those things. I can't imagine what it would taste like. I don't. I mean, you could bite through it. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching him do it. So yeah, you can do it. And I feel like you can just feeling it. I just wouldn't want to. I never would. Do we? Uh, do you eat the whole baked potato, or just the inside? Uh, I'm actually you like a lot of times try to just eat the inside. Like I. You eat some of it, but you don't eat it whole. Obviously, you cut it open and eat it from the inside. Like uh, I eat the whole thing, and then you eat some of the peel. I eat. I eat all of it. Let's get that. Yeah, I'm dirt, not dirt and soot and all those nutrients well, in me. Once you cook go. it, once you cook it, I don't, you know, I think it's fine. Yeah. I'm not opposed to eating the. All right, no, well, maybe fine. the banana peel is a good idea. I might try it. No, it can't be. I mean, it can't be. No, it looks. Someone's trying it. It must horrific. be decent. 
I think he, I feel like maybe he's just doing it to be weird, like for effect. It can't be better. The inside is what's good of a banana. Uh, there's not a month that goes by that we don't point a finger, and it's not like an angry finger at them, but we don't point at Big Chicken and unveil their shenanigans. As we've mentioned now for about 18 months, uh, clearly there was a big meeting amongst all the fast food places, and they're like, we're going to put out a, a new like giant chicken sandwich. You all get your turn. There's going to be like 18 of them. Every month there'll be a new you know, a new debate, right? And it's been going on and on forever. I think Popeye's really started it out right after Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A had the sandwich. But that, that's a, that's, this is all a work by Big Chicken. Uh, here's the latest work. And it's smart. NIL, now now they're like, okay, we don't have any. There's no more sandwiches to introduce. Every G-damn chicken place has a sandwich. So now with NIL, look at what, and we'll give them a pop here. Look at what Zaxby's and Bojangles are doing. You got Georgia and Clemson playing to open the season. Uh, DJ, go ahead. Ooh, lele, right? <laughs> um, the California kid is with Clemson. He got Bojangles. And JT Daniels, former USC guy, modern day guy, he's at Georgia. He just got Zaxby's. So now you got Zaxby's and Bojangles going to head-to-head in a game that has two of the top five teams in the country meeting up in a couple of weeks. First of all, I'm angry if I'm Canes. Because I'm like, you guys are California dudes. You're Southwest. You don't go with that Southern garbage. Well, they, they have to. They they don't live in California anymore. Don't. They, uh, they, that, is a, a, no. that is an annoying wake-up call when you're like, wait. One, did uh, Uyunga Lele play at Bosco, St. John Bosco? One's from Bosco and one's from Modern Day, yeah. and they're repping Southern chicken joints? Yeah. This That's is crazy. an outrage. This is the problem I have. I'm sure Tommy's hamburgers where, is all pissed off. Where's Roscoe's? Well, Roscoe should give him some money. Roscoe should have jumped on one of them. And they're they're probably going to go with USC. Well, go good. Go little, get your guys. Keaton Slovis repping Roscoe's. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, he does. I don't know. I'm just trying to get a regional war going. I don't know why. Well, it's a chicken battle. <laughs> Big chickens at it again. Let's divide Big Chicken by region. God, they're brilliant. You don't get our West Coast. So freaking smart, Big Chicken. Nice job. Get that mortgage tuned up right now. 877-700-NOVA is the number to call at Nova Home Loans. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, let's do it. Sammy P is in. We've got a couple extra minutes today to uh, talk to Sam Paniotovich from Nesson, from Fox Sports. Uh, primarily, we do gambling talk. What's up, Sam? I just figured out that there's a luau at Oasis on Saturday. I am so pumped. You're in again. All right. All right. Uh, is it a birthday party this time, or are you guys just hanging out? No, it's like the annual luau that they do. They, uh, they put the pigs on the spit. And it's like tropical. Oh, man. I, I did it when I lived there. I went both years, and I don't think I've missed one since. And I continue to miss it every year because I happen to be going out of town this weekend. Bummer. You are the only guy, Cofield, that every time I tell you I'm coming to town, I'll tell you like two months in advance because I know you're, you're going to say no, but you're always like, oh, yeah. yeah, I'll probably have a funeral that day. You always like – it's always something like that where you're always out of town when I come in. It's starting to get personal. 
I, I don't take it personal. I literally just saw him booking a flight when you said you were going to be here. No, no, no. <laughs> this, this trip was planned a while ago. Hey, so real, real quick, before we get to the gambling stuff, um, I do know you've made some comments on mass from time to time. I do have to get your take because we're curious around the country what people think about what the Raiders did with the fully vaxxed thing. Um, I, I think that they need to offer an option to people who are unvaccinated. They're not doing so. Adam is 100% behind this. What do you think? Is this Could this actually hurt the Raiders' uh, business at the box office? What do you think? I don't think it'll hurt business because that place is like the hottest ticket in the NFL. And mostly because it's a destination trip. You know, I've talked to people that are Bears fans, Browns fans, you know, Chiefs fans. They, they pack up and they go in droves. So I don't think there will ever be an issue filling that stadium. Um, but I... This thing is a moving target, man. That's all. It's just like if you got vaccinated, you didn't have to wear the mask, and now we got to wear the mask again. I just, I don't like that the goalposts keep being moved, and that's really it. I mean, I'm not going to get too political or scientific on your show, but they took the masks away and said they were going to stay away, and now they're back. So I, I just don't know what to believe, and I don't know what's next. It's, it's a strange time that we're in. That's for sure. Sure, and you can say whatever you want because vaccinations and masking is not political so you can say whatever you want okay <laughs> that's um, nothing to do with politics these are the convos that the folks uh listening right now don't get to hear that actually uh, these guys and others have very often so we'll uh we'll leave them for off the air um all right well let's get into this week reaction to preseason week number one sam and has there been some overreaction i, I would think there would have to be a little overreaction i believe to the way some of the young quarterbacks played yeah, that, and I, I think I want to bring up a conversation I had with somebody that I work with today who, who pointed out to me, saw a stat, that the unders are 14-3 and three in the preseason. And, you know, for guys like us that do this, we know that's a small sample size, and it's likely not going to repeat itself. But I'm, I'm trying to educate people that blindly betting unders in week two is not the move. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and trying to explain why that's not the move, because – you know, a lot of new gamblers now are, are jumping into this, and because they could sign up and they could put money in an account and they could bet on their phone with their friends, they love it. But the bookmakers, you know, in a preseason sample, where they're mostly getting sharp action anyways, like this is not a big public money fest, they're going to adjust super quickly. So those totals this week that could have been 41 are now 39. The totals that could have been 37 are now 34 and a half on the open. And they're still getting bet down, but the adjustments are minor, but, but they go a long way. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the true number could be 41, but when you open at 39 and it gets bet down to 37, that's really a four-point difference from what the true number is. So it's just like you're not getting the value blindly betting unders in week two, and I don't think everybody understands that. Um, but the biggest overreaction is, is Denver. Uh, Denver wallops Minnesota, which we, we talked about this last week. Kirk Cousins wasn't going to play. Stanley wasn't going to play. And they held out like 30 guys. Now everybody's betting Denver after one preseason game. Like they, they curb stomped um, Minnesota. And uh, Denver has gone in that week. Like it's already moved five points. The point spread. It's just it's insane. It was a pick them on the look ahead. Now it's minus five. Um, I mean, no rush to bet Seattle. Like I'm not going to zigzag in the preseason. But, yeah. Be careful with what you saw in one practice game with rotations that, 
you know, aren't going to be the same in week two. Every situation is different in the preseason, and you got to be careful not to react to what you saw in one game. I want to go back to something. I do want to jump in. It is interesting. So Seattle's coming off a loss to the Raiders, and Pete Carroll actually is a guy who cares about the preseason. I think his uh, looking at the numbers since 2005, he's 25-14-1 ATS during the preseason. Yeah, no, and, and here's another guy, Mike Zimmer. Like, all I heard about going into week one of the preseason <laughs> yeah, yeah. was, Mike Zimmer's 20-5 and five in his last 25. <laughs> and they, he loses one preseason game where 30 guys didn't play. And now everybody's like, oh, Minnesota sucks. <laughs> You're like, that's, that's not the case. And, and, in fact, Minnesota opened at a pick and some of the sharpest guys I know, they bet Minnesota right when it came out. They bet pick. They laid one. They laid one and a half. And now Minnesota's two and a half. And I, I still like it under three. Uh, Kirk Cousins likely going to play in week two. Uh, you're going to see more of Kellen Mond. I don't think you'll ever see Jake Browning again. You know, like things are different. you got to pay attention to the situation and the information. And, and what's more important, Mike Zimmer being 20 and six in his last 26 or them losing one preseason game with nobody like playing? What's more important to you? The answer is obvious. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it's not just overreacting in the preseason, Sam. I, I, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. The other day. Um, I, I think there's ways to bet in the AFC West. Uh, there's ways to bet that the Raiders are not going to finish in fourth place. Like th- They're a sizable favorite to finish in fourth place. I don't think they do. I think they can finish either second or third for sure. And I was having this conversation, and somebody goes, I don't know, man. Denver looked pretty good. Like, okay, I, I, I don't know what to tell you if you think that what happens in a preseason game with zero starters impacts what happens in the season. I don't know what to tell you at that point. And Denver played two quarterbacks that are vying for a job. You know, it's, yeah. that's a very unique situation where, you know, you're trying to – Vic Fangio, tremendous defensive mind. And, and if he gets a quarterback, that team will be dangerous. But, but knowing full well that, you know, Drew Locke is going to – He's got something to prove. Teddy Bridgewater's got something to prove. Minnesota didn't play their top one, two, or three quarterbacks in that game. <laughs> you know, and it's just like they, they win. They win big. They were dominant. Cool. I had the, the Broncos. I feel great. But now, like, if anything, I'm ready to sort of bet against the Broncos. Um, they've gone from, you know, a two-point underdog um, going into the preseason to a five, five-and-a-half-point favorite in one game. That's a seven-point adjustment off one game. Um, if you're laying Denver, you're not getting the best number. That, and you missed the move. I mean, it opened two and a half in this game, most places, and now it's five and a half. But it was plus two before the preseason even started. So it's, it's wild. And, and, again, these groups, I talk to these guys all the time that bet this for a living. You know, the plays they made in week one, they laid the Dolphins three and a half. Now it's five. They went under 37 Giants and Browns. It's 35 and a half. They laid the Raiders five to seven. They laid the Vikings. I told you that already. And they went Washington football team minus three and a half, minus four. That market's five. These guys that make money, they move these markets and they move fast. I mean, these lines move Monday morning. These games aren't until the weekend, most of them. Week zero, college football is next week. I know you put out on your uh, chicken dinner handle, Chicken X Dinner. That's the name of your podcast. Sam Paniotovich is with us. You put out a slew. Over, over under uh, win total best plays, uh, you do have a team tied to a Heisman hopeful. Yeah, I like Matt Corral a lot, and I don't think this number is going to be available much longer. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Matt Corral is 39-1 to 1 to win the Heisman at Circa. 
that will not be available after this weekend. I promise you. Um, the other thing is, like, he's he's twenty to one at DraftKings at FanDuel, and like twenty two to one at points bet. So Circa has the best number in the world. It's not even close. But Ole Miss last year was an offensive juggernaut with a sort of young defense. Well, they bring in another top twenty five class, more talent on that side of the ball on defense. They're going to be better on offense, better on defense, and they're going to be. With a win total of seven and a half, I think that that's too low. I went over that, but Corral Corral's going to be out there in a lot of fourth quarters, man, and that's Heisman time. The defense is going to keep these games close. Like the Ole Miss is going to hold teams to seventeen twenty. They are going to play in like shootouts. Think back to Johnny Manziel, Texas A and M. All the opportunities he had to make big plays and big moments. Ole Miss is going to be a very similar team to that A and M team. I think from a couple was like ten years ago or so. Corral at 39-1, man, that, that's a very, very good bet. That guy is going to have a chance to have that team win nine games, and if he's making plays like I think he can, we're talking 45, 50 touchdowns, maybe 5,000 yards. It's all possible there. How surprised you bet over Ohio State, I guess, is the rationale, hey, they play 12 games, there's no way they're losing more than one. At worst, I get a push? They ain't losing. I mean, that's they're double-digit favorites in every single game, and I was told that the team is even better than they were last year. Um, by some people that know the Big Ten well. I mean, they get they get both receivers back, you know? Like, they were monsters last year, and they're both back. Um, and they just replenish blue-chip five-star players. Ohio State, even if they lose, which they won't, uh, I'll push on 11. You get plus money. I, I don't care. They're going 12-0, and and they're going to be in the playoff because nobody in the Big Ten is touching them. You're going to get this Fernando Tatis NL MVP bet in? Dude, it is it is such a freaking nightmare having to like watch this guy and the way he plays every single because he's already like he's already pulled that shoulder like broken that shoulder what four times this year and it's just you're waiting for it to happen again. But how about the first game he comes back, he goes four for five, he gets two home runs. It's like he is the best player and the most valuable player in the National League when he's on the field. But I will sweat that out. I promise you. Every single day until the season is over, we've got him at nine to one to win the MVP preseason. I just I need him to stay healthy. If he does, I like my chances. By the way, as uh, legalized sports betting starts to seep into the Northeast, uh, you know your main gig is Nesson, so I'm sure you're doing a ton of Red Sox and obviously a lot of NFL. Do they want any college football from you? They really haven't talked a lot about college football. Like I'm doing yeah. that content for sure, but it's it's mostly as I've learned around here. It's Red Sox season all the time, and the Patriots really become a content part of our uh, our place. You know, starting around late July, early August, it's been nonstop Patriots, and it's Red Sox all the time. Um, I, I did have to laugh. The one guy at work asked me if I liked uh, UMass over one and a half wins, and I'm like, dude, I I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Service to people, even if it's only one person. Come on now. All right, dude. So we appreciate it. Good, good spot. Over one and a half. Oh, I'm sorry I'm missing you when you come out here, but have a good time when you're here. Yeah, I'll see you in 2026. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Sam Panjanovic, our good buddy now working. Uh, was at VSIN in Vegas. Now is doing uh, Fox Sports Radio and, and Nesson. All right. We talked to uh, Trey Wingo earlier, and I was talking to him about the overhype of what happens in the preseason, especially with the young quarterbacks. We got some clips, man. There are people, and they're like former football players, going crazy over what they saw in week one of the preseason with these young quarterbacks. Maybe we're the ones who were just off on this. 
Cofield got his mortgage tuned up. You should too. Call 877-700-NOVA now to lower your interest rate and lower your payments. 877-700-7000. 